It's time for the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Rates, Alex Huff, and Braden Crow. What's happening? What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast that brings you the clear, concise, and competitive advantage you've been looking for in the time you've been hoping for. I'm your host, Jonathan Rates, and I'm joined by the guys, Braden Crow and Alex Huff. How's morale? How you doing, Braden? Morale is good. Uh, things personally are good. Fantasy football-wise, it's tough. I, at this point, I'm just looking forward to preseason games and watching fifth stringers play. So we're at that point, but uh, personally, morale is really good. You know you've hit rock bottom when you're looking forward to the fifth string. But I know, uh, I know. None, nonetheless, Huff, how about you, man? Yeah, personally, things are going well. I have some vacation later this week, so I'm just excited for the pod here. From a fantasy football perspective, though, it is getting kind of dry. I feel like there's maybe one or two mediocre stories a week, you know, and that's kind of what we're living off of. So excited for things to ramp up here in the near future. Absolutely. Well, Speaking of as news ramps up, a good way to keep in touch with us on a more daily basis is we do have our Twitter uh, at Average Pros FF. So make sure that you follow that so that you can stay in tune day to day. Obviously, we're going to start putting out podcasts more um, aggressively, starting to do weekly once the season starts to gear up. But make sure that you follow that that Twitter bio or that Twitter um, account again, Average Pros FF to to stay up to date. So, well, let's jump right in. Talk a little bit about what our plan is here today. So we did a heat check on wide receivers last time with the sophomore wide receivers. So today we're doing a heat check on third year running backs. So we're going to talk about some guys that are heading into their third year of um, the NFL and just kind of give our take on where they're at and talk about if we're hot or cold on them. So pretty simple stuff, but hopefully it's going to be super valuable. And so we'll start with, man, the workhorse, the number one guy last year, probably the number one name in fantasy right now in a lot of people's drafts, Mr. Jonathan Taylor with the Indianapolis Colts. So to give you a quick recap of what he did last year, so he was running back one overall. He finished as a running back one 71% of the time and only a running back two 18% of the time. Running back three was a little bit of 12% of the time. So majority running back one, hence he was the overall running back one. He had 332 rushes for almost 2,000 yards, 1,881 yards, 18 touchdowns, and he then threw in 40 receptions for 360 yards and two touchdowns. So Huff, talk a little bit about Jonathan Taylor and and where he's headed and, and what our thoughts are. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor was great last year. He even coming out of college, his prospect profile and everything, he was kind of slated to be almost the next you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and he had a great year. He had he had over two thousand total yards, twenty touchdowns. That's hard to do in any case with any player. Um, so nothing short of impressive. There is a little bit of uh, maybe risk you could say, or some regression probably coming that I think a lot of people can see, just in the sense that. <clears throat> he did have one of the lower overall scoring running back one finishes in the last 20 years, say 19 years since Priest Holmes in 2002. Um, he only averaged 21.9 fantasy points per game. Just to put that into perspective, Christian McCaffrey's big 2019 season, he averaged 29.3 fantasy points per game. So almost eight points per game more 
did Christian McCaffrey than Jonathan Taylor did last year. So while Jonathan Taylor's overall year was good, it was a down year for running backs as a whole. Having said that, he is still one of the better running backs in the league. He is still a top two pick, I think, this year. Maybe you can debate a little bit with Christian McCaffrey coming off the injury. and But I think Jonathan Taylor still has a really good case to be the number one running back coming into this year. Um, he does he does have a little bit of passing downside, though. Um, out of his 19 point, he had 19.5 carries a game. Um, and out of that, 16.8 of his fantasy points out of the 21.9 came from just rushing, which is a very high margin. And so there's a lot of skepticism about that overall. I think he had a 32.3% touchdown dependency rating, which was sixth highest in the league. So he did a lot of good things. There was a little bit of risk, but I think no matter how you cut and slice it, any player that has a really good season, you can look at it in a really good light, and then you can also find things to pick at. So I don't necessarily know the things that we're picking at at Jonathan Taylor disqualify him from being the RB1 this upcoming year or even the number one pick in this year's fantasy football draft. So maybe to put that in perspective, he had a good year, and there's going to be kind of pros and cons both ways but he's a great player and he's probably worthy of the number one pick this year yeah i mean <clears throat> there's not a there's not a whole lot more to say on john and taylor i th- you know i think we're all hot on him you know i mean it, even if he's not the rb1 he's he, he's a top five running back and needs to be drafted as such and so i guess the question <clears throat> i have for you huff is if you had the 101 would you take Jonathan Taylor? Would you take CMC or the field? Like, is there someone else that you would rather take this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the only other running backs you can put in that conversation are Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry, and I think I'd take Jonathan Taylor over both of them. You have Cooper Cup, but then you have his regression issues. I think I'd be hard-pressed not to take Jonathan Taylor 101. I've taken Christian McCaffrey in a couple leagues, but I think Jonathan Taylor's the guy this year again. What about y'all? I think I I think I'd probably go Jonathan Taylor just with CMC, um, his hit injury history, and what are we really going to get? I'm taking McCaffrey. That's my that's my vote. I think overall, though, it's safe to say none of us are cold on Jonathan Taylor. We're all systems go. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? Of course, injury free season maybe finishes the running back four. You know, and that's still a really good, really good season. So everybody would say I said I'm hot on Jonathan Taylor. Would y'all agree? Yeah, I'm hot on him. I am as well, yeah. Sweet. So good stuff there with Jonathan Taylor. So moving on, uh, another guy that I think a lot of people are excited about, myself uh, included. We're talking about DeAndre Swift. So as the Detroit Lions truther, I'll, I'll go first with him. So he finished as a running back 15 in 2021, so just outside of running back one status for the season. He was injured in week 12, so there was, of course, some injury and um, plagued games there. He had 151 rushes for 617 yards and five touchdowns uh, where he was really electric. That was in the passing game. He had 62 receptions for 450 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, one of those was a great game breaking touchdown that it was just electric to watch. Uh, so with those numbers, he finishes running back one 38% of the time uh, running back two almost right around the same at 31%. And then, Actually, running back three was uh, 31%, and that factored in kind of when he was injured as well in some of those games. So I think with DeAndre Swift, the things that you're really looking at, I mean, he's absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. They're going to try and get him in space. He's potentially going to be with Jonathan Taylor as we get 
throughout the seasons, the running back one in this class. Um, he has struggled a little bit to stay on the field. And of course we have a Jamal Williams problem um, that could potentially uh, rear its head. Dan Campbell has said he does want to make DeAndre Swift a the guy and will be the guy, but you know, you with a guy that has injury concerns, you've got a guy like uh, they call them swaggy and swifty, you know, in that backfield. So definitely going to be some Jamal Jamal Williams touches that siphon a little bit away from DeAndre Swift. But when you remove the weeks 12 to 18, when he was pretty much playing hurt and the Lions were out of contention there at the end of the season, he's averaging 18 and a half points per game over the season, almost five catches a game. And he's tallying 10 plus points in all but two games. So he's his consistency rating of basically the fourth most consistent running back in 2021, just altogether makes DeAndre Swift a, a really solid buy in this season. Um, again, his injury history is, is a little bit concerning, but his value is through the roof. So I'm all systems go on DeAndre Swift. And I would say his heat check is hot and ready to essentially even maybe outperform where he's being drafted. Where are y'all at? Yeah, I would agree with that. <clears throat> Maybe we didn't preface from the hot and cold. I think I would, you know, definitely expect Jundra Swift to outperform what he did last year. Like we talked about prior to injury, he was on pace to be the RB3. And something like we didn't discuss with Jonathan Taylor was Jonathan Taylor's a new quarterback coming into play in Matt Ryan, right? We don't exactly know how that's going to go. We don't know how Matt Ryan's going to throw to the running backs. Everything with Jundra Swift, we've already seen. Same coaching staff, Jared Goff's his quarterback. He was playing when TJ Hawkinson was there. Aminar St. Brown was there. Granted, they have Jamison Williams as well, but he's hurt in the beginning of the year. I think overall, we know what Swift is, and I think he's being undervalued this year. So he checked all the way up for me. I'm all systems go with DeAndre Swift and trying to buy him everywhere I can. Yeah, I I agree with these guys. I you know, injuries obviously concern me and a bad offense concerns me, but He's super talented. I mean, before this draft happened three years ago, people were talking about Swift going in the first round. People were talking about him being the first running back taken. And so uh, I'm I'm hot on him. I like him a lot. Um, I wish his offense was better, but, but I think they're going to take a step forward this year. So I'm hot on him. The one thing I will bring up is obviously being a Detroit Lions truther, you got to defend your team a little bit. I do think the offense is going to improve um, because your defense is improving. They spent some draft capital on that defensive uh, end position. <clears throat> so you imagine that they they improve there. And so some of those games may be a little bit closer. They played a lot of close games last year. But I think that the offense with the healthy Jared Goff and a healthy TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, they'll, they'll be in some games. They'll put up some points. Yeah, and even adding to that, they have one of the better offensive lines in the league. So they've they've added a lot of draft capital in their offensive line over the last three years. So, absolutely, I'm excited as a Lions fan, but we know that uh, most of that's probably just because they're going to be on uh, hard knocks. So I can absolutely not wait for that. Moving right along with Cam Akers as the next one. So he finishes the running back 45 back in 2020. We do have to go back to 2020 because he really didn't get a whole lot of playing time in. 2021 so basically his rookie season which you have to put in some uh, factor in that he was a rookie then so he had 145 rush yards 625 yards and two touchdowns 11 receptions for just over 100 yards and one touchdown so he finished as a running back one just seven percent of the time that season running back 14 14 percent of the time and then running back three was 79 percent of the time but there was a lot of hype heading into last year with back cam Akers, and now we've got a little bit of hype heading into this season but we've also got an Achilles injury that we're recovering from. So Crow talk about Cam Akers and, and what we can potentially expect. Yeah, I, 
I personally like Cam Akers. I, I'm not as hot on him as the other guys, obviously, just because his ceiling probably isn't as big um, with the injury. But the best way for me to explain Cam Akers is Cam Akers is the item on Pawn Stars that Rick gets his buddy to check out and then to figure out if it's worth like $4 million or it's absolutely worthless. And you find out after a commercial break and this like last like five months has been a massive commercial break and we don't know what he's worth. So that's who Cam Akers is. We're trying to figure out, is he worth drafting? I personally think he is. He's fallen um, pretty far and, you know, so he's almost a value, but you know, he came back from injury. McVeigh wanted to use him, wanted to use him as the guy, despite all the bad performance and low yards per carry. And so I, I still think he's going to be, I think that he is going to have a shot to do it. And it's totally up to him. I don't think it's, it's a question of the coaching staff wants to use him. I don't think it's a question if if they have plans for him. It's a question on if he if his body can keep up. And so I'm not worried about Kyron Williams. I'm not worried about Henderson. Henderson's fine. He's not near as talented as Cam Akers was pre-injury. And so I'm high on him, um, or I guess I'm hot on him, but um, I want to take a shot at least in one league and and see how he does. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to acquire him where I can. Yeah, I think the point I want to emphasize on that is Cam Akers looked really good at the end of his rookie year. He had a couple of primetime games that I think stick with everybody's like stick in everybody's mind that he was so good, but he averaged 4.4 yards per carry and 5.5 yards per touch towards the end of that season. And then he tore the kids in the off season. He was coming back and Sean McVay, he was not looking good. He had, was averaging two and a half yards per carry, 3.1 yards per touch. And Sean McVay in the playoffs was still like, Hey, you are our guy and literally ran everything through him. And we've seen Sean McVay support, you know, the Todd Gurley years and all those things. And so I just, like I think you said, Braden, I just want a shot on it somewhere. I don't want my entire portfolio to be Cam Akers, but I want a shot on it because I think there's a chance that he's that guy. Um, he wasn't the highest prospect coming out of college, like you said Swift was, or even Jonathan Taylor, and I think Jacob Downs was ahead of him too. But uh, I like him, and I think – there's a, there's definitely kind of a high risk high reward element, but that's also how you win your fantasy leagues, right? Is you you take your shots, you don't win your fantasy leagues by being averaged. So take the shots on the guys that could win you it if they are the guy. Yeah, ADP is going to factor a lot into a Cam Maker's draft for me. We don't want won't, won't talk too much about that. I do think right now I'm one of the going to be more cold on him. I just think that I do not want to go down with the Achilles ship. Uh, that is setting sail with both him and James Robinson. I'm actively trying to trade James Robinson if I have him. Cam Akers did come back a little sooner, but that Achilles injury just really scares me because historically it is just a tough, tough injury to come back from. Yeah, I mean, and something that, you know, if you're listening to this and not really knowing the history of Achilles injuries, we don't, to our knowledge between the three of us, I don't think there's anyone who is like ever, ever come back from this and been like as good as they were before. And yeah, we just never saw how good Deonta Foreman was prior to his injury in the NFL. I mean, I watched every Texas game on Saturday. Thank yeah, you very he's much. Getting, he's getting college. Him. Yeah. He's getting college. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, and we, and we're going to see, you know, Mac come back in the, in the Texas this year, but you're right. There isn't, there's not a big sample size. And so, you know, I'm cheering for him. Like I would, I would love to see him break that mold. Um, and, 
I, I want to cheer for that almost like I just, it's almost like a feel good story. So I want to see it happen. Yeah. I mean, once upon a time, like the Achilles tear was the same kind of like death sentence, you know, and then people started coming back from that. The people started coming back the next year. And so, you know, progressive medicine. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be in the future. So, well, moving on to talk about J.K. Dobbins, another guy coming off injury. He finished as a running back 24 in 2020, so he had a really great 2020 finishing as an RB2. He was really putting up some numbers at the end of that year. He finished with 805 yards on 134 rushes for nine touchdowns, and then he had 18 receptions that he also added 120 yards on. So he actually was an RB1 13% of the time, RB2 range almost half the time at 40%, and then RB3 at 47%. So, uh, what are we looking to get with uh, J.K. Dobbins this year? Yeah, the thing about those stats in 2020 with J.K. Dobbins is most of them happened in the last eight games of the season. So most of his 800 yards and nine touchdowns were in the back half of the season. And I, if I believe it or not, he was the RB5, I think, during that span. And that's on the Baltimore Ravens on a very run-heavy offense. And he was just incredible. So there's obviously a little bit of competition there with Gus Edwards, um, but and Gus Edwards is also coming off. Is it the same? Is it the same injury? He's an ACL injury as well. I think Gus was an Achilles, wasn't it? I thought that they were both ACLs, and Justice Hill was an Achilles. That's that probably what I'm getting yeah. mixed up. So there is some competition there. If uh, Gus Edwards, I think Torres maybe two weeks after J.K. Dobbins. And then they did bring in Mike Davis and free agency, but you know that might be a, a few game thing. The big thing with J.K. Dobbins, and this might have broken from a news perspective by the time this comes out, is if J.K. Dobbins starts the season on the pup or not. Which would be it was six games, I believe they're trying to move it to four games if they haven't already um, this year. So four games that's still a significant piece of your fantasy football season, right? Um, I think there was a little dispute with Ian Rappaport saying he's not going to be ready, and J.K. Dobbins came out on Twitter recently. Again, if you're not following our Twitter, we reposted it. But that, uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins was like, I will be ready for week one. So a little bit of optimism there. He's kind of a fan favorite, at least on this podcast. So if he's healthy week one, I think from a heat check perspective, I'm hot on him. So I don't know about y'all. I don't play favorites. I look at the statistics only. And that's why. Oh, I, oh yeah, Mr. Detroit Lion. <laughs> you didn't let me finish. That's why I find myself crying in the corner later uh, with all the Detroit Lions fans I draft. But no, I, I am I am cold on J.K. Dobbins just to get in the injury bug. I think is pretty pretty stout with that, and with Gus Edwards coming back, Lamar Jackson's ready to I think set the world on fire. So I think you're going to have a lot of Lamar Jackson uh, points that J.K. Dobbins doesn't get, and he's not really a pass catching threat. Um, too much, especially if you bring in Mike Davis. I'm a little nervous about that. So personally, I'm cold on him. I, it depends on the day for me. Honestly, I I don't love him, but I don't hate him. I I think that it's going to come down to if we know that he's ready week one. Uh, I have no problem drafting him somewhere. Um, but I have no interest in buying the injury dip at all. I don't want to get burned and him end up on the pup and maybe six weeks into it or even four weeks into it and, and waiting. So, yeah, well, I was just going to say, even off the pass catching narrative with Lamar Jackson and his rushing ability, Hollywood Brown was traded to the Cardinals. Their wide receiver one is a second year kind of unproven Rashad Bateman, who we all like, but he's, he has not proven to be, 
the field stretcher. And then they have Mark Andrews, right? I can't even name, I mean, it's James Prochet, but you know, we don't really know who their wide receiver two is. Right. And so it, it makes sense that if JK Dobbins is great, that he'll be featured as even the fourth option in that offense. And the fourth option in one of the better offenses in the league is still, you know, a very high end weapon. I would imagine. Yeah. So definitely have some difference of opinions there. So let's talk about somebody else that uh, had a lot of hype coming in talking about Clyde Edwards, Alaire and kind of where he's at. So he finished 2021 as the running back 43 in 2021 and he had 181 rush rush attempts for 803 yards and four touchdowns. He did deal with some injury stuff, but he had 36 receptions for 297 yards and one touchdown. So did, find some proficiency in the passing game 20% of the time running back one 30% of the time running back two and 50% of the time he was a running back three or worse. So uh, what is kind of our thoughts in, in real quick summation on Clyde Edwards, a and Kansas city. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, he's, he's not going early like he has been in the past few years. Um, you know, he has been unimpressive. Ronald Jones has been signed. And so, as of right now, there's no reports on kind of who's leading the backfield, um, you know, but he is being drafted late, but it's a high powered offense. And so his ceiling is, I think it's still there. Um, I have no problem taking him, but there's just kind of some unknown with what he's going to be. You know, this off season, it came out that he had like a, a secret surgery last year and, it was didn't get to do training camp and he lost a bunch of weight and was struggling to recover. And then we saw that low production. So that could be team chemistry. It could be his body wasn't ready. Um, but anyways, I just, I, at where he's being priced, I want to take him. I want to take a shot on Ronald Jones or CEH. And I have no problem taking it on CEH, especially because he's going to catch the ball more than Ronald Jones. And with Tyree Kill gone, there's more um, vacated targets. And a lot of those go to the running back sometimes. So I have no problem taking him there um, as a value. And especially if he just keeps falling down draft boards, or I think about an auction draft where he could go for a couple bucks. I have no problem taking him there. So, Yeah, so I probably would, again, be the opposite side of that. Um, again, a little bit concerned on with the Kansas city chiefs, that new look offense, it does seem to be a little bit more balanced in the future, but I'll probably be the opposite. Um, I'm cold on Clyde Edwards, Alaire, thinking he's going to be about where he was last year, if not worse. So uh, what about you Huff? Yeah, I've been uh, hot on all four of the running backs we've talked about so far. This is the first one that I'm off of. Uh, I think he was kind of that big prospect and I, we just haven't seen it. And if he surprises me this year, then good. I'll draft him in 2023. Yeah, 2023, there's always next year, right? So Antonio Gibson is the sixth running back we're going to discuss. So he was finished as RB23, speaking of 2023, in 2021. Uh, he had 250 rushes for uh, just over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns, 42 receptions for 294 yards and three touchdowns. So was a running back one, running back two, running back three, pretty much a third of the time each. And so uh, what are we looking for with uh, Antonio Gibson? Because there's been some up and down stories about him. Yeah, he's kind of maybe the definition of a post-hype sleeper. Um, I think last year was the second year in the league. He kind of came into – he transitioned his junior or senior year of college to become a running back. So he's been pretty new at the position, and he looked good his rookie year. He was a third-round draft pick coming into this year – or last year. 
everyone kind of thought this was going to be Antonio Gibson's season. It was not. Part of that, though, was just because the um, Washington Commanders, almost of their former name, were so bad. So the upside here is that the offense could not be worse, right? Carson Wentz comes in. As much criticism as Carson Wentz gets, he is a competent quarterback. He supported Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor's breakout season that we just talked about at the top of the show. Um, he does have the Antonio Gibson does have this pass catching ability that not many other running backs have. A couple downsides are he's injury he's a very injury prone, which is a hard label to put on anyone because that label can come and go. They the commanders also did try to re-sign JD McKissick. JD McKissick had this weird thing with the Bills for a hot second, and then the the commanders came in and paid more for him. And then on top of that, they drafted Brian Robertson, the third round pick, um, as a third round pick this year. So I'm a little bit skeptical, but I think if if Antonio Gibson keeps falling as he is, and he's kind of coming out of relevance, I think he's a clear steal or clear buy, um, depending on where he's at. So. I'm in on him based on his price right now, but if he goes up to these other guys, these J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers price, then I'm out. Yeah, I mean, Gibson is being drafted like a backup, right? You know, and yeah, he, he's exactly. he's a starter, and I don't love it. I don't I don't love what the commanders are going to be. I don't like the all the different variety of usage, and it's so painfully clear that Gibson is the most talented, and I want to see more of him, but he's falling so far back that I would take him as a starter over buying any backup and you know the only way this backup is going to see that value come to fruition is if someone gets injured and so i would much rather take gibson there especially if his if his average draft position stays around the same um i like him for where he's at but i don't i don't have expectations for him to be a league winner yeah if you can get him as your rb2 i think you're feeling great yeah and there's a yeah you can easily get him as your rb3 if you even wanted to i mean yeah he's falling that far yeah, so uh, Antonio Gibson is running back 19 right now. So he's going around David Montgomery, Brees Hall, James Conner, J.K. Dobbins, who we just talked about. Um, but if he continues to fall a little bit, I think he's a steal there. So I'm going to be hot on him either way uh, until I trade him in Dynasty, then I can be cold on him. But I'm, I'm hopeful for his season this year. What about y'all? I'm not buying him around Brees Hall and J.K. Dobbins like we're talking about in those prices, but I think if he falls below those guys, I do like him a lot. And I think, like we talked about, maybe it's just a year late. He's got that high end with the pass-catching ability, even unlike Jonathan Taylor has, to kind of really succeed, especially if Carson Wentz and him really click and have a rapport. So I like him. I'm hot on him based on what I think he could be, but he's definitely a risk. Yeah, I'm I'm cold on him at that average draft position, but there's one platform that we were looking at a couple days ago and he's falling into the sixth round. And so it's like, it, give me Antonio Gibson in the sixth round all day, but in, yeah. the, in the fourth, I don't have nothing. I don't want anything to do with it. Cause at that point he's your running back three, pretty much or one of yeah. your flex options, which Absolutely. that's crazy to think about. So, well, to kind of quickly round out the running backs that we're talking about, we do quickly want to talk about AJ Dillon and it's only right as the uh, Lions fan that I talk about the Packers running back. Right. So uh, AJ Dillon finishes RB 23 and 21. So in 2021, so he snuck into that running back two range. He had 803 yards rushing on 187 attempts and for five touchdowns. He did have 34 receptions for 310 yards, almost 10 uh, yards a catch um, and two touchdowns there. He was running back one 18% of the time, running back two 18% of the time, and running back 
three, 65% of the time. So just a couple of things to keep out. Obviously Aaron Jones is still in that backfield, but uh, AJ Dillon is really rising on people's bat, uh, draft boards. Uh, a lot of people are liking him except for the Kingpins mascot who he steamrolled uh, recently. And so he's not, not super good friends with him anymore, but uh, there are some things to think about with the committee approach. Of course, LaFleur like LaFleur, that is a hard word to say. LaFleur likes the committee approach and Rodgers uh, will utilize some running backs um, until he kind of finds that rhythm with with receivers. But there was a little bit of inconsistent production there with with A.J. Dillon. So um, some things to, to keep out there. I think most of us would say he's definitely a rising, but be careful of where he's going and how high he gets in the draft um, and uh, what comes out of training camp as well is going to be huge. So um, I think that uh, brings us... Wait, one quick, one, one quick question. Sorry. Um, just everyone, if you are in a draft and you have to draft one running back, would you rather draft Antonio Gibson or AJ Dillon? Antonio Gibson. Mm. Uh, Gibson. I'm, ta- I'm taking Dillon. I'm taking uh, Dillon. This is redraft, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's redraft. The dynasty. I'm taking Dillon. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. It's a hill, a hill crow will now die on. No. So to wrap up today's show, I want to do a little quick question. We had this one submitted from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Justin in Pipe Creek, Texas. If you don't know where that is, make sure you go out and visit Cowboy Capital of the World out there. So uh, the question was, which running or excuse me, which wide receiver getting taken in the uh, kind of running back three range? So 25th wide receiver or greater is got the best chance to drop into the uh, running or wide receiver one conversation. So let me read you those wide receivers that are coming off in the uh, kind of running wide receiver three range. Good Lord. We're talking about wide receivers, everyone. Don't yes, listen to Jonathan. Wide receivers. Thank you. It would have so, made sense for us to do a running back question, but I really yeah. want to talk about running backs. I don't know. We've been talking about them all day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but uh, so Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, DeAndre Hopkins, and, uh, Take it or leave it. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen, Traylon Burks, Darnell Mooney. Get some other rookies. Drake London, Juju, and Devontae Smith, Garrett Wilson, Rashad Bateman. So uh, also Elijah Moore. So kind of with those guys that I just quickly named off, does anybody stick out to you as a, a real good chance at being maybe a wide receiver one this coming season? Yeah, so my first vote was going to be Hollywood Brown, but he's at 25. So I don't feel like that's like really fair. So I'll go a little deeper. I think Juju Smith-Schuster coming to the Kansas City Chiefs has a chance to be a wide receiver one, so finishes the top a top 12 wide receiver. He's just on the best offense in the league with the best quarterback in the league. You can debate that way, I guess, with the Bills and Josh Allen, but it's maybe top two. And they let, Tyreek Hill is gone, and they've really not added anybody of note. So I think – not saying I'm not, you know, calling for Juju Smith Schuster wide receiver one season by any means, but I think in the context of this question, he's a good guy to shoot at late that has a chance to finish that high. And I think if he finished as the wide receiver 12, 13 on the season, nobody would be like shocked. So that'd be my vote. I don't I don't think anybody would, would be shocked. I, I agree there. And he's on kind of a prove it deal. There's a lot of incentives in his deal with the Chiefs. So he's got a lot of incentive on that one year deal. I personally um I really like Brandon Cooks. I think that David Mill Davis Mills and him kind of developed a rapport last year that I think is going to carry into this season. And so I'm excited to see, obviously the Houston Texans don't have a whole lot going for him. So I think Brandon Cook is going to be peppered with targets. He gets listed as kind of an 
injury prone guy, but really if you look at some of the stuff and actually go back and listen to one of our podcasts previously, we talked about how um, he's not not quite that and has kind of um, been a pretty solid and consistent player. And so I'm going to go with Brandon Cooks for, for my vote um, of pushing up into that running back one yeah. territory. And on that on that Brandon Cooks note, this was also uh, retweeted or tweeted out by on our uh, Twitter page as well. But in the 17 games that Davis Mills had started, I'm sorry, in the games where Davis Mills started, he was on a 17 game pace for 160 targets. So wow, I think there's a chance that yeah, that's a very realistic possibility that I don't think people even sometimes remember Brandon Cooks plays fantasy is a fantasy football partnership where we can draft. So. I think it's a good call. That's a really good find by our uh, comms department. Um, that's really good. Um, so for me, if you listen to this podcast for any amount of time, you know who I'm going to say. It's Rashad Bateman. I am so in on Ooh. Bateman. So in uh, the vacated targets. Plus, I just think he's incredibly talented. We see second-year wide receivers take this leap. He was a first-round talent. He you know, all of his, um, draft, um, uh, combine stuff showed that he should be elite. Plus, um, you also have to look at all of the different games that Mark Andrews had with Lamar Jackson were down, meaning that there could be even more room for, um, more targets and more work for Bateman. So I think that he at least is a wide receiver too. And I think can easily be a wide receiver one Hollywood did it whenever he was healthy. I don't know why Bateman can't. So, um, that's, that's, that's who I'm saying. As much as I booed, I agree. Rashad Bateman getting all the love from the average pros. Follow us, Rashad, check out our podcast. Braden loves you. Well, that's all we got time for folks. So thanks for tuning into today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you find us even the slightest bit amusing, uh, do us a favor and leave a review or subscribe to our podcast. But if not, we'll keep trying until then. We're the Average Pros. See ya. Your time is valuable, and we thank you for sharing a little of it with the Average Pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates. Voiceover by Ben Johnson. Music by Josh Lippy and the Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.